0: If you have a heart
1: and any semblance of awareness of the news, your heart is probably broken. This sermon today will not directly address the most recent news because today is the fifth Sunday in the month of May. On the fifth Sunday, we have all together worship at our 1030 service where the young children of our church worship together with our families. I want to keep today's message on a level that is emotionally appropriate, even for the youngest among us. In fact, I'm going to do a traditional children's sermon as part of my broader message. The message for everyone today is about God's love. So, let's get started. Today's message continues our sermon series based on our vision statement. Wait, what is our vision statement? Do you remember? A place to belong, believe, and love like Jesus. A place to belong, believe, and love like Jesus. So far we've covered belonging and believing. We contrasted belonging with fitting in and defined belonging as following your, or as allowing your authentic self to shine through. And being accepted by other people for who you really are. A church community engaged in following Christ is ideally a place where we practice letting ourselves be seen for who we are and where we encourage people to belong to our community with a sense of authenticity and diversity, trusting that we are united in Christ by the Holy Spirit. Last week, Our guest preacher, mission partner Dusty Ellington, spoke about believing or having faith as a pilgrimage where we don't know where we're going, but knowing that the target we are walking towards is God. I want to pick up on Dusty's notion that we don't know where we're going, but we know that the target we're walking towards is God. If we don't know where we are going, then how do we know we are journeying to the right target? The next part of our vision statement deals with both our journey and our target to love like jesus to love like jesus is both where we're going and how we'll get there the way and the destination are both love because god is love yes love one of our favorite topics as human beings love We sing about it, talk about it, read about it, watch movies about it, we celebrate it. One of the ways we show our love is through giving gifts. And I have some pretend presents that I brought with me here. I have, let's see, one, a bunch of them, two, three, four, five, six. Pretend presents. Let's open them and try to guess who they would be for. So this first one, what is in here? Ah, a little squirrel. Squeaky squirrel. This would be a great present for my dog, right? Dogs are something we love. What's our, what's our next present? I have, let's see, who could this possibly be for? Best, dad ever and the best mom in the history of the world yeah these gifts would be for parents yeah love for our parents or our family is another kind of love what about this one hmm what are these flowers hmm who do we usually give flowers to, specifically roses? Usually roses are a symbol of romantic love, yes? And then I have this one, huh, a little fuzzy bunny. This one doesn't squeak, so this one is probably for a child, yes? Love for a child or a child's love for a friend. And then what's in this one? Hmm. Milky Way. I think these are for me, yes. These are about self-love. Oh, except there's six in here. So these are for sharing. This is also friendship. Ah, and finally, one last present. This one is for everyone. What is in this one? Oh, it's a Bible. A Bible and a cross. These are to remind us that we love each other because God loves us first. Love comes from God. And that is what our scripture is about for today, about God's love. And that ends the children's part of the sermon, except the sermons for everyone, of course. Our scripture readings for today are both familiar ones about God's love. The first one is from 1 Corinthians 13 that shows us what God's love is like, and the second one is from 1 John. As you listen to our scripture readings, let us ask God to give us new ears to hear what the scriptures are saying about love
0: our first reading is from paul's letter to the church in corinth chapter 13 verses 4 to 7 the common english bible translation love is patient love is kind it isn't jealous it doesn't brag it isn't arrogant it isn't rude it doesn't seek its own advantage it isn't irritable it doesn't keep a record of complaints. It isn't happy with injustice, but it is happy with the truth. Love puts up with all things, trusts in all things, hopes for all things, endures all things. Our second reading is from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7-21. to Dear friends, let's love each other because love is from God and everyone who loves is born from God and knows God. The person who doesn't love doesn't know God because God is love. This is how the love of God is revealed to us. God has sent his only son into the world so that we can live through him. This is love. It is not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the sacrifice that deals with our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us this way, we also ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. If we love each other, God remains in us and his love is made perfect in us. This is how we know we remain in him and he remains in us because because he has given us a measure of his spirit. We have seen and testify that the father has sent the son to be the savior of the world. If any of us confess that Jesus is God's son, God remains in us and we remain in God. We have known and have believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And those who remain in love remain in god and god remains in them this is how love has been perfected in us so that we can have confidence on the judgment day because we are exactly the same as god is in this world there is no fear in love but perfect love drives out fear because fear expects punishment the person who is afraid has not been made perfect in love. We love because God first loved us. Those who say I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. After all, those who don't love their brothers and sisters whom they have seen can hardly love God whom they have not seen. This commandment we have from him. Those who claim to love God ought to love their brother and sister also. May we hear what the Spirit is saying to the church through these readings. Thanks be to God. Amen.
1: Love, love, love. All you need is love. What's love got to do with it? Can you feel the love tonight? What is love? What is this thing called love? Can't buy me love? I love you, man p.s i love you love actually love there are so many songs about love and so many movies about love but rarely do we actually define what love is people across the ages have been confused about love the ancient greeks had a lot of words for love the most common word was philio then they had Eros, which is not used in the New Testament, by the way, but the word most used in the New Testament for love is agape. In my pondering for this week, in thinking about love and all these Greek words for love, I want to credit two writers for illuminating this biblical theme for me, theologian and author C.S. Lewis, and author David Bradshaw, from whose essay Incorruptible Love I am also borrowing from. We speak of love as if it's a single emotion, or a feeling, or decision, but the truth is that there are at least two very different varieties that lie beneath the single word love. Being loved and loving. And beneath that are two sources from which we can draw our love, human nature and divine nature. The word love, like a multifaceted diamond, sparkles in all directions at once. However, the English word love has been diffused by the nuances of love's many potential meanings. Parents love their children, friends can love one another, and lovers may feel passionate love toward each other. All three of these human-based loves have one thing in common, the need to both love and be loved back. But in all the universe, there is only one type of love that is divine-based and therefore entirely incorruptible, according to the beloved 20th century scholar and author, C.S. Lewis. Unconditional love or charity, derived from the Greek word agape. And this is the word when in the scripture readings that we heard that is uh, translated as love. The human loves can be glorious images of divine love. No less than that, but also no more, writes Lewis. In The Four Loves, one of his most famous works of nonfiction. readers can explore the ups and downs of all four kinds of loves. Lewis identifies these four types of loves as family affection, the most basic form, friendship, the rarest and perhaps most insightful, eros, passionate love, and charity, the love of God. The first love is family love, or storge, in Greek. According to Lewis, storge love crosses all boundaries between the human sexes and even the animal species, perhaps best symbolized by the adoring love of a mother holding an infant. Storge love is usually usually an inborn instinct. Lewis feels this is the humblest love which forms a solid foundation for all of the other types of human love. We first learn of storge love in a non-reciprocal context, such as when a caregiver loves their child first, but they don't really expect the love to be returned in any significant way. Storge love, because it is non-reciprocal, can be difficult to replicate by friends and lovers. Lewis explains that storge, or needed love, often tries to imitate agape love, or given unconditional love's actions, but it usually falls short without some type of inner transformation. Even parents or caregivers who love their children do often expect something in return, so it falls short most of the time of true agape love. The glory, though, of storge love, says Lewis, is that it unites those who would not otherwise come together. Familiarity teaches us first to endure, then to enjoy affection. Uh, familiarity teaches us first to endure, then to enjoy affection causes us to notice the goodness in others. Some of the pitfalls of storge love is that it can often be assumed that it's a human right, but it may remain very conditional, as I said before. Storge love, says Lewis, is prone to jealousy and can become self-gratifying. Lewis's warning, storge, can become a substitute or even a rival with agape love, which he feels is settling for an inferior human substitute for the more divine charity of unconditional love. Next is friendship love, or philio in the Greek. Lewis considers friendship as the most undervalued and often lacking type of human love that too many people are missing out on the full benefits of. According to Lewis, filial love is not universal like storge and eros, and therefore it is the most unnatural of the three human-based loves, so not everybody experiences filial love. All friendships are entered into voluntarily, not based on family relationships or physical attraction. In fact, he says nothing is so unlike lovers as friendship. The importance of friendship is masked by the fact that it is so arbitrary a thing or gift of choice. He refers to filial love as naked personalities in comparison with eros as naked bodies. Lewis refers to friendship as the least of the human loves, offering us the example that when a third friend joins two good friends, the love between them all often multiplies as the size of the group grows. It is clear that Lewis highly values the deep friendships of his life, which comes out in his heartfelt plea for an expanded perspective and priority for true friendships that he views as much more than mere companionship or camaraderie, usually involving strongly shared values and activities. Lewis reminds us that friendship was once considered the crown of life. Friendship can be used to accomplish great things, as Lewis put it. Filial love makes the brave braver, the kind kinder, but also the proud prouder and the cruel more cruel. Friends can give us the needed moral support or immoral support. Lewis considers friendship to be the most spiritual of the three human loves, perhaps because of the willingness friends often have to lay down their life for another true friend. Next is passion love in the Greek eros. Eros Lewis says is the most primal form of love, but physical expressions of love are only a small part of true eros, which Lewis defines as being in love, a delight, a delighted preoccupation with the beloved. Lewis differentiates between mere lust as the self-seeking desire for momentary gratification and eros. A desire for the beloved to receive pleasure. He is alluding to contemplation of a far more comprehensive desire for the well-being of a beloved mate. Lewis feels that true eros obliterates the distinction between giving and receiving love. Here he seems to be calling couples to view their strong desire for complete union to be a foreshadowing of a spiritual union with God. Eros, says Lewis, is the passion within us to say that two are better than one. We understand and are committed to a life that is better together than apart, which speaks of mutual covenant and agreement. Lewis views falling in love as something that happens to us, whereas staying in love is a choice. He warns that Eros can make no promise of permanence. For that, he feels that long-term, selfless love, agape, is required. He closes this section with a metaphor of how a garden cannot tend to itself, but requires an external gardener to tend the weeds and the challenges it will face against natural elements, speaking to our need of agape love. Agape love, this is unconditional love to love as mature people we have to learn to do something truly remarkable to put someone else ahead of us learning to love in a mature healthy and satisfying way isn't something that we can be expected to do all alone without assistance that's where agape love comes in according to lewis all of what he calls the natural loves storge filio eros are by design to be second things, not first, because they are so prone to let us down, if treated as the first things. This brings us to our scripture from 1 John. This is love. It is not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the sacrifice that deals with our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us this way, we ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. If we love each other, God remains in us, and God's love is made perfect in us. Since God loved us so much, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. In an echo of the scripture, Lewis says that without making agape love our first priority— we will likely never feel fulfilled in our quest for fulfilling love. He continues, all creatures and relationships are temporary. To fully give our heart over to another created being is to court disaster. To offer great love means to open yourself up to great suffering, as the mystics have affirmed. To love is to be vulnerable. Only the truest form of love between creator and the created will never pass away. We should draw nearer to the love of God, not by attempting to avoid true suffering inherent in any love, but by accepting them and offering them to God. Natural loves must be transformed by agape love to become secondary. God is love. We must begin with God's love for all creatures, which is then totally disassociated from need. God manifests this love towards us first in creation, then in human redemption, says Lewis. Lewis explains the desire to be loved is not love itself. None of the natural loves seek the good of the object simply for the object's sake, except agape. Yet each of the natural loves seeks to imitate agape. By receiving the gift love of agape from God, we have the double benefit of an enhanced ability to now give agape love to others. God, who has loved us into existence, loves us into the power of loving others, and receiving agape from God and others, While we all desire the natural loves, we often resist receiving and giving agape love from God or others. This is true. There are many, many wonderful givers of love who are much less able to receive love, maybe due to pride or ego or the sense of vulnerability that comes with being a receiver of love. Think about that next time you need help from someone. Lewis continues, to receive a love which is truly a gift which bears witness solely to the givingness of the giver and not at all to our loveliness or worthiness is a severe mortification. We desperately need to receive such love from God and others, but we don't naturally want to. No sooner do we believe that God loves us because of what God is than because of what we are, because we are intrinsically lovable. It is hard to believe that we are, but mirrors whose brightness is wholly derived from the sun that shines on us. It is hard to bear agape love or charity from our fellows, Lewis says, but yet each of us needs it. There is that within each of us that cannot be loved simply by natural love. We can't love the unlovable without help. Agape must be learned. It is needed by all, first to be believed, then endured, then delighted in. For where agape is, to some degree, is heaven, Lewis writes. In the culmination on this discourse on the four loves, Lewis writes, Natural love's ultimate power lies in their ability to prepare us for agape love and provide embodiments of agape, natural altars on which the flames of agape may descend. Natural loves can pass into eternity only to the degree that they have allowed themselves to be taken to the eternity of agape, a sort of death. This resonates with the words of Jesus, truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls on the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, produces many seeds that's from john 12 24 we live in a world saturated with divine love if we have the eyes to see it all around us in everything and everyone now how can we become so filled up with this divine love to change our hurting and often hating world one word agape According to loveofgodproject.org, the word agape is used over 260 times in the New Testament, and the Hebrew equivalent ahava is used over 230 times in the Old Testament. You could say, love is the number one theme of scripture. I like to think of the Bible as the ultimate love story. And many wonder for a lifetime how they can truly please God and others. And the answer is, practice unconditional agape love without worrying about what the outcome will be. Jesus summed up this theme in four simple words which we have on display upstairs in the children's area. Love God and love others. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that God loves us first and always. We started today with an object lesson about giving away love. And that's our call as Christians, no matter what age we are, to receive God's love and to give it away. May it be so. Thanks be to God. Amen.